0: You are listening to Lesbians on Screen, a podcast that looks at lesbian and queer women on big and small screens. This season we are delving into the global phenomenon of and Tina. I'm Sheena, my pronouns are she, her.
1: Hi everyone, excited to be here. Monica McCowan, my pronouns are she, her as well, and I am a lesbian author and Juliantina superfan and aficionado, I guess, which is why I was invited to be on this podcast, but uh, extremely excited to, to get to relive one of my favorite fandoms that I've ever been a part of.
0: Last time, they were laughing about the transmigration book that the Godfather or whatever it is guy wrote. Okay, so now we are at Val's house and her and Jules have come to get clothing for Jules. Apparently she no longer owns any clothing.
1: Well, I don't think that they can go back to where they were staying. So they went from the hospital directly to uh, Chivis' hideout house that they're staying in. So she doesn't have, you know, she had to leave everything again. That's it.
0: Chivis is saying once uh, Jules to stay behind while Val goes and gets the clothing so that she can basically give Jules a, a warning like I know what you and your mother are up to but I'm worried about Val so like hanging around you is not good for her.
1: Yeah and I think it's so funny so after that she says she's an angel and is always willing to help others which is totally true but chitty's obviously has a little bit of a blind spot when it comes to valentina cuz she's the baby of the Carvajal family you know she doesn't really seem to think it's weird when she's giving you know val orange juice after she's coming down from like doing mdma she, she's her <laughs> angel and you're not going to change that it's you know it's like that parent with the blinders on Um, but there's a lot going on here and it's very complicated you know, Juliana doesn't want to upset anybody in Valentina's life. And she is very grateful that Chivis is giving them this place to stay. And that's all that she was trying to express. And then Chivis kind of politely unloads on her in no uncertain terms that, you know, she would prefer if they did not
0: see one another. Right. And... As she's walking away, Jules's expression is, like, a bit confused. Like, what on earth is going on with this woman? I was just thanking her for the house. But also, I think she's used to sort of very off reactions from people. Because she is poor. She doesn't have a lot. She's always on the outs, on the run, whatever it is. And so she just kind of rolls her eyes and, and moves on. Right.
1: But the conversation that they have is very important because it rolls into her going to find Valentina, who has now situated herself in like a rec room or something. (laughs) Whereas right before that conversation, she was feeling a little more sure she's now thrown off kilter
0: again. Yeah. So narratively, this plot doesn't quite make sense because, you know, Val was off to go get the clothing and now she's sitting on a couch with no clothing in sight. Okay, so now we, we're we looking at Val and the couch and whatever rec room this is through the monitors, the security monitors. And Jacob is sitting there watching all of this. Uh, kind of like watching what his daughter's up to because this is actually Val's dad in Jules' dad's body. For those who haven't been paying attention
1: (laughs) and he has this whole side plot going on where he's getting back together with his wife who formerly had a hand in killing him so that's all very complicated and he's like reminiscing about her so he's kind of in his own little world when juliana walks into the room that valentina
0: is hanging out in and she sits down on like an ottoman across from fell which I can't help but wonder if your fanfic was somewhat inspired by this uh, seating arrangement. Mm. At least the one scene.
1: I didn't think, you know what? It could be. I didn't think about that. Because <laughs> I don't think we ever really see, the living room I describe is not the one you see in the valet house. Um, it's like a different living room that I kind of imagined in the house, I think. Because it's not that center room. So yeah, it would it would look similarly to this room.
0: And Jules sits down and says, "I don't think that Sylvina likes me." And Val, in her delightful naivete, says, "I don't think that's even possible. I'm sure Sylvina is happy that you're in her house, and <laughs> you know." Val does. Kind of,
1: she goes all the way to the wall of being like so good natured that you're like, "This is not possible." Like she just doesn't get it, and it becomes almost painful at some points. When I think Juliana is trying to use her grown up words and be very direct and not beat around the bush. And then Val is just like, that's impossible. She loves you. She loves that you're on. She doesn't say on the run, but she loves that you're living in the house. Who wouldn't want a family on the run from a hitman <laughs> and Sicario's like she's just. Yeah, she's so out there sometimes. Good meaning. and Yeah, but out there.
0: Yes, and we're inter- cutting between the two women in the lounge and Jacob, who's actually watching this whole thing play out. Val saying, Sylvina may be overprotective, but she's super kind and super good. And if there's anyone in this world that's more kind and good, it's you. So it's this complete fluff. And Jules is very much like...
1: It starts as fluff. Like... I think maybe Juliana would have let this draw out a little bit longer had she not had that conversation in the foyer because Chivis kind of brings it back that this is a dangerous situation. By being around, she is putting Valentina in danger. And this is now what Juliana is kind of challenging her on. Don't you realize that by us being around one another, like whether this is actually my fault or not, you are in danger she's you know she's not calling Val dumb but she really wants to understand
0: she feels like she doesn't really grasp the magnitude of the situation and then she asks don't you think we're making a mistake Ooh, that's rough eh because they've just just kind of like declared their feelings for one another and now she's saying maybe we should put the brakes on I'd also be like um hang on wait what which is pretty much what Val's reaction is. And she's like, scaring me, I don't understand what's happening.
1: Right, like they just agreed to do this.
0: Right. And then Jules turns around and says, don't you think maybe we should give each other some space?
1: The S-word. Like- <laughs> 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 so Val- cold.
0: <laughs> and Val's like, I don't know what you're talking about. We're we practically ready to move in together. You haul here we right. come. That, well, and
1: that's like, I think this show does this tension of the push and pull between the characters so well because it makes perfect sense that they keep having this same fight multiple times because new dangers keep arising. And, you know, you could say, oh, you know, Juliana just accepts that Valentina might be in a little bit more danger because they're together. But, like, you're never really going to want to accept that if you love and care and want to protect that person. So every time a new danger comes up or, you know, somebody pulls the rose colored glasses off of Juliana's face and yet again reminds her of the reality of the situation, she has to snap back into, into taking a look at kind of the implications of her following her heart. And I think she almost starts to, you know, she feels really guilty for following her heart because her getting what she wants feels like it puts Valentina in danger. So she has this constant battle, which I think, you know, again, it just it makes a lot of sense that they kind of keep having this fight. For me, it's not like overhashed, although I hate it when it happens
0: Yes and no. Like I agree with you. I think that's definitely part of it. But I also think it's it's scary for her. And this is a kind of a convenient way to put on the brakes so that Because think about Val, right? Val is a human being, is this pushy, I want this all to happen right now. She's literally moved Jules and her mother into a family-owned home. I mean, if this is not you hauling, I don't, happening already, right? So this is very fast. And for someone who's never even considered the fact of falling in love, never mind falling in love with a girl, it's scary. Yeah, And I think this is very convenient for her to put on the brakes and say, hang on, I need some time and space here without saying, I need some time and space here.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with you on that. I think that it would happen less frequently if other people weren't interjecting so often or the danger wasn't so prevalent. But yes, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. Juliana is very afraid of the the feelings that she feels and what they could mean. So her... Her knee-jerk reaction is to kind of retreat from them instead of leaning into them the way Valentina wants.
0: Well, Val has lived in a safe space where she can lean into whatever it is she's experiencing and wants to explore and feel. And Jules has lived in a space where she's had to run.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Val's dad is looking super, like, concerned while he's watching this conversation go on. And um, Val is reiterating that her normal life... her life without Jules, her, you know, boyfriend and all that stuff is terrible and she hates it. And everything has been better since Jules came into her life. Which, you know, isn't that the truth about love?
1: And I don't know if you've noticed, but so many times through this show, Valentina says the word normal. All the time. She, you know, she's like, no, this is normal. Like, that's kind of her shtick. I think by the time it's done, she says it at least like a dozen times whenever they're they're arguing it comes up. And I thought that that was, you know, it's a very overt kind of way that the show just reinforces like, yes, this is fine. Um, and very much, you know, we're talking about what the characters are doing, but zooming out and looking at the show again from a high level um, they are very much, you know, screaming gay rights through through this entire thing, not just, you know, with the characters falling in love, but basically the way, you know, some of the peripheral characters respond positively, some respond negatively, the way they frame it so that other people have language to discuss it. They really, again, just as a, a shout out to the show, go above and beyond um, to really make it normal as it, as it should be seen.
0: Absolutely. I think one of the biggest things that i'd refrain from using is the word normal in any context because so often it's used against us so often it's like oh well we're in an i'm in a normal relationship which means heterosexual and actually that's just common not normal so find you the the normal thing i didn't notice the show was doing it but i'm very happy that they did so well done show (laughs) I just like the way Valentina says it,
1: so I notice it. (laughs) I think I had mentioned this previously, but this is where we start getting into a situation where the intimate scenes that the two characters have become a forcing function for other people discovering them and while I want to praise the show for the things it does really well I also want to shout out the things that kind of make me annoyed and this was something that other people picked up on while the show was running and that I completely agree with them that you know at about the the halfway point after they've had a couple of really nice moments together alone for the sake of their relationship it becomes about kind of other people catching them in these moments and that's how they find out they're essentially outed. Um, So just keep that in mind as you're, you know, watching the show. Uh, The characters don't always get to do everything on their terms, unfortunately. But, you know, that was feedback some fans gave as they were watching. And I think that that's totally fair that, you know, it does drive the plot forward and it's important for these other characters to know. But you're like a little bummed out because you just want, you know, happy shiny moments between the two of them uh, that don't involve anybody else. And you do start to see more of their moments together being so that somebody can catch them and find out what's going on.
0: That's interesting.
1: And I, I've watched like the first 20 episodes in total of like all the characters. So I don't know if this is a trope that they do to everybody you know, it very well could be, could be something the show does to all of the character couples, because Val's brother is also in a secret relationship. Ava is cheating with somebody. So she even though she has the best husband in the world, Mateo is in a secret relationship. So it could certainly be a a trope they used with everybody. Um, It's just something that I think people are kind of bummed about, which I understand.
0: From a a purely technical point of view, though, I mean, we have to get to the point where the plot is moving forward, and they can't just have, I mean, this is a soap opera, this is not a, you know, a happy, shiny, look at the lesbians being happy show, this is a, like, let's tell the story show. And in order to tell the story, we have to have these moments where they are being discovered and people are reacting to it. Yeah, I...
1: there's no equivalent i feel like in the united states for a telenovela because one of the big things is they don't expect to run for more than one season whereas every show wants to get picked up for another season so they want a cliffhanger or they you know they want to get fans excited about it versus this being a really insane season of a show but wrapping up most of the pieces by the end of it and you just don't get that anywhere else and I really wish that we did that we did that a little bit more. I know that everybody gets super frustrated that on Netflix it seems like shows always get canceled after like 3 seasons, but I don't hate that because I want resolutions for my characters instead of constantly putting them in danger. I think the longer you go, the kind of crazier people get with things like, you know, look at like Grey's Anatomy and whatever. So three is a a perfect number of seasons for me, except like a couple of shows.
0: I actually like the fact that it is just such a self-contained one season kind of a deal because... You can push things then to the maximum.
1: Mm -hmm. It's a television novel. That's what it is. It's perfect. And yeah, we just, I feel like in the United States, again, we don't have that equivalent. And I really, yeah, I would love if we did. Also the intensity for it to be on five nights a week, an hour a night for four months you just, you can't imagine what that did to my brain and my heart. Like, I didn't even know that that was possible. <laughs> it was insane. And I think that that's, you know, I've said it before, but that's part of the reason why I got so invested in this show because it was just content, 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 like five nights a week and the fandom working together so that English speaking fans could understand what was going on. It was just, yeah, it was wild
0: okay so now we are in the control room jacob's watching the monitor he the the val and jules come in for a kiss it's all very intimate and he sees for the first time uh, that this relationship is a thing and he's all shocked and oh no my daughter's a lesbian how will i survive Okay, but not
1: not necessarily. His daughter is kissing the daughter of the body he's inhabiting. Like, you can be, you know, that like him putting his head down on his hands with like a thwack. I don't think that that's a my daughter is gay. Like, he does go talk to Camillo next and he's confused about it. But it's a very complicated situation.
0: I mean, okay, that is fair. I guess my knee-jerk re- reaction, though, is just based on life. So, <laughs> Right, you know.
1: right. But I think that this <laughs> is a great, like, some people got real problems type of situation where it's so... Fu- like, yeah, he could be freaked out by that. And, you know, he is going to need to come to terms with that. But there are so many other pieces in play that it's just, like, one, you know, one more thing.
0: Oh, completely. All right, so now he's talking to i don't know this therapist dude who wrote the book camillo and he's explaining the whole thing
1: right and he explains exactly that my daughter kissing another girl who is the daughter of the man's body that i am in
0: my favorite is camilla turns to him and says this is 21st century homosexuality is normal and then he's like no but it's not my daughter she's not homosexual oh she's had three boyfriends And this conversation, we're going to see again and again and again.
1: Yeah. But I think it's so important that they do that because, you know, for every openly queer person watching this, it's like, oh, God, get over it already. There are people, you know, and I think I feel very strongly about this because it was kind of my experience as well I was very confident in who I was and I was incredibly wrong about that so it was really hard to accept something that I didn't know about myself but I think that you know up until a certain point it would have been a surprise for me to come out. So I think saying that, like just because somebody has had these precursors, just because they have only been with men previously, that does not discount or negate this experience whatsoever. Not everybody's going to be a gold star. Not everybody's going to know from the time they're little. People, and I think especially people in more conservative countries, are deeply conditioned to follow a specific path. And that's why I actually appreciate that they have this conversation ad nauseum. They are beating it into people's heads that this can very much be the story for somebody and it
0: doesn't make it any less valid. And I completely agree with all of that. But I just love this Kamala dude. He he has some of the best things he says you know listen to me very carefully three boyfriends four boyfriends or five she can have however many she's not into men and he's just very like this is how it is this is how the world is she's experimenting with a girl what's the problem (laughs) he's fabulous i actually generally like him as a character
1: Yeah, he's like one of the good ones, trademark. They're, you know, they definitely set it up while characters in the show are complex. There are some good guys and bad guys. Very much that you, you draw a line in the sand on and he's definitely one of the good guys.
0: And he's not afraid to have the difficult conversations with people and he's basically just telling him, you know, leave her alone, let her be happy. Right, and,
1: you know, they're kind of... He's he's mad, uh, because Hakobo is mad, um, because he feel like feels like he's getting the doctor side of his friend and he just wants to talk to his friend and they keep going back and forth. And you know, again, I think that he's yes, like it's a problem that Juliana and Valentina are kissing and that confuses him because it just came out of left field because uh, he never expected that for his daughter. But again, it also it really complicates things because you have to remember, Hakobo is living in this house as a security guard when he is actually the father of this family and his life, you know, and now he has to hide from Juliana who just showed up there too Uh, You know, he thought he was at least going to get to run around and safely impersonate this person, but he has to stay away and he never knows when Juliana is going to be around because they're attached at the hip and he's like (laughs) falling in love with his wife who tried to kill, who did kill him, but he came back in like the man's going through some things. Like I think that is to say, (laughs) I think all things considered, like he's holding it together pretty well. But there's so much going on. It is
0: a mess. <laughs> oh, shame poor dude. <laughs> Alright, so now we cut back to Val. She's sitting on her bed in her bedroom, and she's got her phone on the bed with her and she's thinking about something and being all cute about it. Now, if I'm I think she's thinking about the kiss. Yes, she is. She is. I think this is one of my favorite scenes. Because they're kissing
1: not because they're kissing but she's just so sweet and it's like i think we've all kind of had this moment where we're by ourselves and we're like you know what is happening here and it and it just becomes all the more pronounced because lucho's name like pops up on the screen and it's just obvious she has like no interest in that but she's by herself there's no one here to see these kind of displays and they're just they're so real and so prevalent so again i think i i just connected with this because i think we've all had these moments
0: this is the quintessential like a uh, teen movie moment where the girl is lying on the bed thinking about her love interest you know and then she like flips over on her tummy you know like legs go up in the air you know that kind of like a very girly thing and then of course her ponderations of delightful kisses are ruined by the phone call from her boyfriend really you should break up with him already so she puts the phone down on him doesn't answer it and then sort of like tosses the phone to the side as she thinks about something
1: yeah, and I think I've said before I really think that this show incorporates the use of technology and cell phones uh really, really well for the characters. But it's it's obvious, yeah, that she doesn't want to talk to Lucho. And I mean she's she's broken up with him.
0: No, she hasn't yet. She hasn't.
1: Okay. It's she... coming. Yes, she kind of left him standing in the hallway, but hasn't really plucked up the courage to do it yet. But yeah, they that last scene, I think for as simple as it is, it does a lot of things really well. And the other thing the show's not afraid to do is use a flashback when it serves to drive the point home. You know, they could just have, you, they could completely have that scene without the flashback. And you would know that Val's like, Thinking about Juliana but I love that they took the extra step to just make it so obvious and they'd done that a couple other times too when Juliana was walking out of Valentina's house that night after the party and thought about them kind of staring at one another in bed or like you know running her hand along Valentina's back they didn't need to do those things because you kind of would have picked up that they were reminiscing on the night prior but I love that for the viewer and maybe the viewer that was still like resistant, they made it so obvious and so overt.
0: Yes, I agree. It just makes it a easier story to follow, especially if you're also not like Spanish speaking. Yeah. So visually, it's really showing you what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. So now while Val is on her bed pondering life and being all cute and feminine, uh, we cut across to Jules. And Lupe, Lupe's sitting on the bed looking forlornly into this space in front of her and brushing her hair, and Jules is very excitedly looking at the clothes and packing the clothes away that she got from Val. Um, So now we're about to discover what's up with Lupe, I'm sure. Yep, so Jules says, what's wrong, you're acting super weird. Oh, Lupé, you really are just misery.
1: Yeah, she is. She is a wild card, and I think I need to find somebody that's like written out her entire plot so that I can follow it. But she's just kind of like all over the place, and it, it's hard for me. I think she's a very complicated character. Um, but yeah, she just goes back and forth. I think to the people following her storyline, there's supposed to be a little bit of a love triangle between her and Panchito and El Chino. Whereas like if you're following the Juliana Valentina storyline, you're like, you know, absolutely no, like El Chino is a bastard. Don't ever fall for that again. But there are lots of love triangles going on on this show. And I don't even know if she thinks like she cares about El Chino the body or El Chino the soul. Because I think she ends up meeting both of them. But it, she's she's all over the place. She's so hard to follow for me. I think maybe because I don't know enough of what's going on with her. But she comes up in a lot of the Juli Tina scenes.
0: Lupe says she's been thinking about El Chino. And the look that um, Jules gives her as a result is disappointment, frustration, anger. Like, why is El Chino still in our lives?
1: It's so hard for Juliana, and it makes complete sense. Like, she has only known El Chino as a destructive, deadbeat father, but Lupe has known him as like a lover. So I think that she has worse judgment because at least at certain points she got something out of it that was worth it for her. But Juliana just sees him as a a complete piece of crap, which I agree
0: with. And so Lupe even says to her, like, put your hatred aside for him. And she's like, what's gotten into you? Why are you pining over El Chino again? Something's obviously gone on that we're not privy to.
1: So she, uh, she saw Beltran and Beltran, who's, yeah, him. So they show a flashback and she knows that he is El Chino. Okay. Yeah. So she, she becomes aware that like El Chino is not gone and that's part of where the the complexity and complication is coming from. Because she's seen Beltran multiple times up until this point. But she just thought he was like a stranger that came into her life. I love this. That face. She wakes up to a text from Sergio asking if she wants to hang out. and It's just amazing. She's like, I can't believe you texted me that early for that, is what that face says. And she puts her phone back down without answering it.
0: So this is Jules. And it's the next day now in the morning.
1: Jules, who gets her own bed now and her own bedroom. And she, you know, she gets up and she comes out of the room and she's stretching and it's a beautiful morning. Uh, And then she walks into the main room and her mom's bag is there, but her mom's not there. And she gets worried because Lupe should be there or should have told her if she wasn't going to be there. They're hiding out. You know, it's very important that she's just not running off. So Juliana is immediately concerned and worried.
0: Also because of the weirdness that her mother was displaying yesterday, I'm sure. And her mother was just...
1: That too. But Lupe's always weird as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> like she's always doing something that is just messing stuff up. Uh,
0: and she... um she's also just been shot and just gotten out of hospital so yes i'd also be a little bit concerned mm, <laughs> all right so now we cut across to val and i think this is her brother yeah Gia. Yeah. and i think this is breakfast yes it is and he walks in and he gives her a big kiss and she's like what's going on with you today why are you so happy
1: And she says, you know, she heard him coming in late last night and they're just kind of teasing each other. And she says that he looks happy. Basically, they're just having this really cute conversation where they're teasing one another. And I think they're, so he talks about going to the perfect place for secret love. He's talking about the valet house, which is where Valentina takes Juliana later. (sighs) Yeah, that's where, like, all of the siblings seem to hide out when they're doing something they don't want their family to know. Or someone. So, I mean, thank God they didn't run into... We'll we'll get to it. They run into some people they wish were not there, but she doesn't run into Gia.
0: So, very cute sort of sibling stuff. They're joking about things. Uh... Val's pushing, who is this mystery girl that you're in love with? who's got you crazy Ooh, and then their sister walks in what's the sister's name again eva that's right eva we haven't seen much of eva yet but we will
1: that's so crazy because she's gonna become such a fixture in this storyline and yeah up until this point you almost never see them interact pretty much once Valentina meets Juliana, she steers clear of Ava, with the exception of the one day she tries to go see Juliana and Ava won't let her out of the house because their stepmother has been kidnapped. So that's people's, like, understanding of Ava so far. A protective, kind of annoying big sister.
0: Wow, so Ava just comes and crashes in on this potty with uh, Val and, what's his name again? Giai. Yeah. Are very happy and they're laughing and then sister comes in and she just like dumps all over them and now they both look completely miserable.
1: Yeah and it's important to note that at the start of the show Ava and Mateo don't live at home but they end up like getting their house renovated or something. So Ava comes to live at the house while that renovation is happening. So there's a lot of kind of change for everybody. You know, their dad dies and Ava comes to live there. And it's basically because Ava is in this battle with the stepmother who, you know, she doesn't want the stepmother to think she's like become the matriarch of the home and now that their father has died. So I, I think she pretty much just she gets uh, construction done on the house, her house, so that she has an excuse to move back in without it being so overt. But, you know, she's there because it's it's tactical. But her being there is kind of wreaking havoc on everybody because it's disrupting, you know, not only with the death of the father, but it's disrupting kind of the, the lives that everybody had had living in the house thus far.
0: Yeah, she's charming. So she leaves with some sort of phone call that she needs to deal with Saying, you know, this conversation's not finished. And then the two younger siblings look a little bit crestfallen for a minute. And then Val looks over and says, who is it? You know, very cute. The two of them are actually just adorable little, like, siblings. You just want to ruffle their hair. So now she's trying to guess who her brother's in love with. Match to his amusement.
1: Um, they all work, well, except Valentina, who's still in school. They work for Carvajal enterprises or whatever it would be so he's you know she's naming kind of people in their work peripheral
0: and she guesses who it is and then she's very like supportive of it and it's lovely and he says to her tell me your secret the one from the other day and she is avoiding it like the plague she doesn't want to tell him she says no eva's around
1: And Gia kind of challenges her and says, oh, it's okay to hear my secret, but not yours here. And Valentina, you know, she doesn't want to give too much away, but she's like, no, it's different. I'll tell you later. I just, I really don't want Ava
0: to hear. So now we catch them sitting by the pool and the dynamic is extremely different to the scene we've just seen. She's facing away from him. She's fidgeting with her fingers in her hair and she's worried you can see
1: yeah i feel like macarena Ochaga just plays this perfectly that you know she's the only thing standing in her way from spitting these words out and telling guille who for her entire life has been nothing but supportive and you know she would have no reason to believe that he wouldn't be supportive but you can see her physically struggling with getting the words out
0: can we call it quits for today
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because I would like us to be able to really get into this scene because I think it's done super, super well, so...
0: No, I I agree with you. You're listening to Lesbians On Screen. I'm Sheena, and I'm joined today by author Monica McKellen. Monica, can you tell listeners where they can find you online?
1: Very socially active online. Uh, Just depends on what channel. Uh, So Twitter is my jam if you want to communicate with me and have the best probability that I will communicate back. So it's at Monica McCallan and that's on Twitter. I do have a Facebook fan page, and I have a website, com. But for sure, if you're looking to hang out and engage and chat about stuff, Twitter is where you can find me.
0: Thank you for listening to Lesbians on Screen, a podcast that delves into the world of queer women on big and small screens. Join us next week as we continue discussing the global phenomenon that is Julian Tina. If you love this podcast, then rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts and help other fans find us.